0: Oh my, I have enjoyed that, yes boy. Be oh my, I have enjoyed that, yes boy. Be oh my, I have enjoyed that, yes boy. Be oh my, I have enjoyed that. Be oh, oh my, I have enjoyed that, yes boy. Tena oh and welcome back to another episode of Code with Kingi Weir with the help of my good friend Casey Joe jo Mackendo. We are recapping round 6 of Super Rugby Altero. Well tēnā koutou KC and thank you very much for joining me back on Code with Kingi where we are recapping the latest round of Super Rugby Aotearoa. And as always we'll start from the top which was the Highlanders travelling to Christchurch to take on the Crusaders where they pulled off the upset of the season. Now neither of us picked that, we actually went the complete opposite way and picked the, the home team 13+. plus. So I mean, what did you make of what you saw on Friday night?
1: What a game! I was pleasantly surprised watching it. Huge effort from the Highlanders against the odds, down in uh, Christchurch as well, and they came off with the win. Uh, pretty gutsy effort from the from the boys, uh, but also, you know, I just love seeing the Crusaders go down. I mean, especially at home, it's it's a very rare moment, and you just got to cherish that.
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah. Well, 33-12, um, the final scoreline and. As gutsy, as, as you mentioned, the Highlanders were, I mean, it was a pretty un-Crusader-like performance from the Crusaders. The amount of blown opportunities that they had, I mean, like, looking at some of the stats from, from that game, they had 22 turnovers, um, 15 of which were handling errors. So, like, you talk about composure and accuracy and, you know, doing the little one 1%ers, and that just didn't seem to go right for the Crusaders. And especially, you know, in front of their home fortress uh, off the back of a bye, you would have thought they'd be all refreshed and maybe they came into this game a little bit too lightly, but at the same time, I mean, you had to tip your hat to the likes of Mitch Hunt, Shannon Frizzell, Connor Gard and Baship, who were superb um, as, as part of their team's efforts to, to get this win done. Um, obviously, I know it's a big clash for those two Southern teams, and especially for the Highlanders because they've really sort of been the um, the underdog going into a lot of those contests given how successful the Red and Blacks have been, but... Yeah, I don't really know what else to say, but you know, like big ups to the Highlanders for obviously fronting up. But I'm I'm gonna be very surprised if I ever see a very uh, such an ugly performance, you know, from the Crusaders. I mean, you had to I mean, if you only had to go back 12 months to where they lost to the Hurricanes at home, but even then that was quite a nail biter, and you know the likes of Richie Moana still had a relatively good game um in that loss to to the Canes. But this time round, I mean. It was like, almost like Mwanga wasn't even playing, and even some of the touches that he had, he threw a couple of intercepts, um, you know. And I, I only pick on him because, obviously, I've, I've sung his praises, you know, quite a bit over the last 12 months, you know, considering the influence that he's had over his um, team's performances and the way that he's performed in 2021. So I guess I just have a different standard for those types of guys. And another one I want to mention is Will Jordan. I mean like for all the good that he does he actually had quite a few brain explosions uh, namely um, in the lead up to Michael Collins try where he raced back to cover a kick put in by Mitch Hunt who like you know for whatever reason you know every option that he took um, on Friday evening just seemed to come off and so they pinned them down in the corner and Will Jordan collects it first of all gets away from Mitch Hunt's tackle which was you know I guess like what you come to expect from that guy considering you know, how elusive he is. But then he goes to putting a little grubber kick along the sideline to not carry the ball out. Highlanders get the ball back and then within a couple of phases, they've just added to what was, I already think, a double-digit lead. So, yeah, just a few brain explosions from some key players in their side and, yeah, like I mentioned, just some of the handling areas just really let them down in the end.
1: Yeah, that turnovers conceded stat is, is a big one for me and I think Highlanders made the most of those turnovers that they did concede. And yeah, Will Jordan had a bit of an interesting game. I mean, was it just right at the start of the game, he, I argue, could have been yellow-carded for that on uh, Conor Garden Bishop. A uh, little bit surprised that he, he didn't, but yeah, a bit of a strange call that one.
0: Yeah, that, that, that is a good point you raise. Um, that was a very weird call in the way that Brendan Fraser went about it, or I think it was Ben O'Keefe, the, the TMO, went about it and that yes I agree that Scott Gregory was obviously like obstructing Jordan from getting to the ball but Jordan had the time even when he seemed to just get around him to not commit to taking Connor out in the air and fortunately for Connor you know he came off all right you know he was obviously a little bit shaken up and probably would have been a bit pissed off at the fact that his team didn't get the penalty and I thought that Ash Dixon's you know questioning was was right he's like well yep we, you know, I can agree with you that our player has sort of taken a guy out, but Will Jordan could have easily, he wasn't all that committed to tackling him. And it was almost, you know, like I know Will Jordan's obviously not that type of player, but he you know, obviously made an error in judgment. And the penalty for me, and I guess you're agreeing with me or I'm agreeing with you, was that it should have gone back to the Highlanders. And, you know, it was an interesting one to start off. He was like, oh, well, you know, the red and blacks, here we go again. And, you know, they're giving the rub the green, but. Yeah, maybe, you know, that was like the flip side of the whole thing and the way that the yeah. rugby ball bounces sometimes. But, yeah, like there were a couple of calls, you know, on top of what we've seen in previous weeks from these referees where it's just been like, damn, are you guys watching the same game that we're seeing? Because some of these calls are just inexcusable.
1: Yeah, like what is the actual call there? Is it that there's two pieces of foul play, the first one by um, Gregory and then the second one by Jordan? Do they just automatically go back to the first one? Um Whereas the second one was probably the be would have been like the worst offense, um yeah, just a little bit of confusion around that, and,
0: I'd argue that Scott Gregorys yeah, wasn't yeah. even foul play, really, I mean you see that sort of stuff where you guys go to chip and Minister. Um, yeah like i I wouldn't deem it foul play, um but yeah, obviously they ruled it that way, and the crusaders had the penalty, but yeah, I'm not really sure what to make of that and my only hope is that going forward that the referees unlike what they've probably done in previous weeks actually take their learnings out of these games and actually have them bear some sort of influence um, with their own performances going forward but yeah I guess before we move on to the second game bro I just want to highlight um, Mitch Hunt now obviously we talked about last week the six guys got stood down and you know I think everyone outside of their own camp didn't give them a chance to go to Christchurch and upset the Crusaders you know by what was a 21 point scoreline in the end. And Mitch Hunt was a guy that I was critical of right at the start of the season. Um, I didn't think that he had quite shown the ability to direct his team around the paddock. You know, me being more of a Josh Iwani guy, certainly went into that, but I really do have to take my hat off to the little fella. I mean, besides his one missed shot at goal, the guy didn't really put a hand wrong. And I think that, you know, the, the combinations that the Highlanders are building, I mean, I mentioned this last week, they look like a team where They might, you know, sort of come together quite late, whether or not, you know, this sort of result and, you know, other results go their way to have them, by a long shot, somehow make the final, you know, who's to know. But, yeah, there there are a few things that, yeah, I I just really liked about the way that the Highlanders played. I thought that Thomas Humanga-Jensen and Michael Collins worked really well in the midfield. Again, that Yin and Yang that I've previously mentioned. Uh, Falal Vakatava starting, I mean, like, he's superb. Not only is he just good around the paddock, but there was the one crucial turnover he had, I think about 20 minutes in. And there were a couple of them. John and Ariki had one, um Kazuki Himeno had one where they just kept the Crusaders, you know, off the scoreboard right until the 40th minute. So yeah, I mean like the fact that you can bring on someone like an Aaron Smith with half an hour to go who really controlled the game and made sure that the Highlanders were always on the front foot. You know, it's just little things like that that I think I'm going to begin to like to see, you know, a little bit more of or, you know, I'm going to be, you know, really happy to see the way the Highlanders play um, in the upcoming weeks, but yeah, I guess like out of that whole little spiel that I've just given you, yeah, props to you, Mitch Hunt. Um, I've had to eat my words.
1: Yeah, full, full. Yeah, he had a full sort of complete eighty, and um, yeah, you also touched on Aaron Smith coming on. It's huge, you know, like you got a man of that stature coming on, and that point of the game where you just need that that solid, you know, leadership. And I think you really added added that impact off the bench. But man, it must make it hard for the the two, but, you know, you're learning off the best, now, um, with Smith around, and, yeah, it was an awesome win by the Highlanders. I I I, I thought that Collins try was, was pretty good, and I think it's probably summed up the Crusaders' efforts, you know. I just saw those little fatties coming across, and they saw the, the Highlanders' pod going to the left, and then they just sparked it to the right, and then he just got straight in there. Got, you know, I thought that was awesome. Awesome game to watch.
0: Mm, and who was the maestro that threw the pass? Aaron Smith, a very heads up player. Um, and like you said, just a, just you know, w- what an awesome asset to have to come off the pine. And I- I've got a question for you later as part of the-, the last segment to wrap up my preview, so I'll save it for them. But for now, we'll roll on to the Hurricanes game. Uh, well, the Hurricanes and Blues game, but unfortunately, it was our Black and Yellows who went down to the, to the Big City Slickers 27 17. Um, and again, bro, I'll chuck the mic to you to get your thoughts on that. Footy game.
1: I reckon this was just like a really close game and I think it was probably like closer than at the end it looks like but oh man the, the yellow cards in that game sort of cost the Hurricanes I think two, two yellow cards back to back whilst I think the, the Blues didn't score off the first one they, def- they got points off the second and I think added a bit of a, a game changer in there but the Blues sort of just kept at it and the Hurricanes just couldn't keep up, but I do think it was very close, and a, I really did think that the Hurricanes had a chance even at the 70th minute. I still thought maybe there's just that that chance that they're going to come back into it.
0: I think for me there were two crucial plays that went into that game. Obviously the first um, if you go to the the TJ Fianti try, was the missed tackle from Blackwell when he shot out of the line. But, but even before that, you only have to go to the the Hurricanes were on their own goal line with a goal line dropout, and for whatever reason, they decided to go short. The kick wasn't even contestable, and ultimately, it led to that try. So, for me, that was sort of the, the swing point of the match. You know, obviously, that kick led to Blackwell missing the tackle, but I think that happened with about half an hour to go, and the game was still in the balance, and... At that point the Blues sort of wrestled back momentum in their favour and I mean although the Canes didn't look like scoring all night it just looked like a huge blow because I thought that actually defended really well. I mean you talked about having those two yellow cards in the first half. Two pretty tough calls obviously I can see it from where the refereeing are coming you know namely with Duplessis karifi Obviously you know he's ducked his head to get in and clean out Otiri Black who even though he was a little bit away from the ruck obviously he's just looking at clear bodies and has just caught him at the wrong height but Artie Severe's one now I haven't actually gone in and gone under it with the microscope but I've heard two different things here so obviously the the big shout from guys like me and you being Kane supporters was that he came through the middle, got to the ball carrier and that yep, he sacked it but it was legal because he came through the middle and that it shouldn't have been a penalty try or at worse it shouldn't have been a penalty try and a yellow card which is what comes from these things but I was reading on Twitter earlier that someone had said that although Artie had actually come through the middle, by the time he got to the ball carrier and looked to bring him down, his knee had hit the ground. Now by that sort of ruling, or if you're, you're going off that, that Artie is then not a part of the mall anymore and he actually has to release the player and let him keep driving. So for those of us you know that actually have a keen eye and want to go back and look into that stuff, maybe we do go and check that out. But... Yeah, two massive calls. But, I mean, in the end, for me, like, I think this game, you know, although, like you mentioned, it was really tight, I think it was just an indication of just the, the talent levels of these two teams. I didn't think there was much in it from um, a game plan perspective. And, again, I've got another question for you come um, the end of this podcast. But, yeah, unfortunately, like, the Canes showed once again that they don't quite have the strike power to just make something out of nothing, although the likes of LaMapi and Riasia have been a lot more influential in their attack of late. Yeah, there just isn't really that, I guess, that threat from you know the likes of having a good running first five or um, maybe a guy to punch onto the ball outside La like what we're used to seeing as Canes fans, you know, with the likes of Barrett, um, Matt Proctor when he was here, but yeah, uh, I mean, I, I, yeah, you know, I, I don't I really th- want to get too I much th- on the Canes because yeah, I didn't think they were actually like out of the contest um at all, you know, given that they did lose by ten points.
1: Yeah, I feel like they just kept it a little bit too sort of. Their attack was too too tight, um, too tight around the ruck. That's, that's what I found, and I felt like they were making more inroads out out the um, on the outsides rather. But yeah, they just kept on, seemingly to going through the middle. And yeah, also on that Blackwell one, they were sending um, shooters up quite quite often throughout the game, and I guess that's what where their defence was good, and the, that they were making those those um, those tackles on the shooters. But just that one time that. Blackwell had shot up. It was just, yeah, a bit of a mismatch in the step, got through. Um, yeah. But
0: nice yeah. I from Peter Feta. Yeah, I mean, you talk about, like, the, the Hurricanes looking a lot more dangerous when they get down the wide channels. And I know that you can't, you know, overly use guys, but I mean, like, how good does Selisi look when he has the ball? It's almost like guys can't tackle him um, you know, the first time round, and he's always looking to get an arm free. And Even Laomapi, when he's got a little bit more time to be decisive with his option taking at the line, rather than just like giving it to him at the last minute, it just seems like that would be option 1A and 1B if you're on attack, but it's almost like those guys don't get into the game as much as you'd like to. It's almost like they're waiting to use them, or they're using them as decoys, whereas it's like, oh fuck like if, if these guys aren't getting taken down like why not go to them as much as possible yes you know i know that again salisi had that one loose carrier when he looked to offload and you know that was right when the hurricanes were hot in attack and lamar P can go missing himself sometimes you know trying to be too much of a hero but i'd rather give it to those guys you know on the off chance or on the likely chance that they go in and make the line break and then just have guys run off them um maybe that's a thing from a cohesive yeah, you know perspective that's still to be worked on and unfortunately no like with the turnaround of this competition it's not going to come together quick enough for them to make the final but yeah i i still have my questions around their attack and what sort of work they're doing during what sort of work they're doing during the week because it's not like a lot's changed or it's almost like there's a little bit of a flash in the pan sort of buzz and then it goes away uh so yeah maybe that's a more critical question for Jason Holland and co riding for rather than the the playing group as a whole. But um, we'll wrap that up there, bro, um, and we'll roll into run or pass. Um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with it or if you've listened to any of the previous podcasts, bro. So I've just got five questions or five talking points um, from the week that has just gone, and you just tell me whether you're running with them or passing on them.
1: Sweet. Sounds good.
0: All right, number one, we'll start with the Red and Blacks. Their loss to the Highlanders is actually a good thing for them going forward. Pass. Hmm. Do you want to elaborate?
1: I think it highlights... Yeah, I think it highlights that they can be beaten and, and that they 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 can and will make mistakes and you just got to have the right team on the day there just to make the most of it. And I think they've sort of exploited something there. Obviously, they're going to go back to the drawing board um, big time and but even just the mistakes that they made, sort of skill, skill level sort of mistakes. But yeah, I think it... It shows a bit of a vulnerability, but also that any team can beat the Crusaders. You know, Highlanders, who would have thought I had Crusaders 13+, but any team can beat them on their day. When the stars align, some would say.
0: I like the take. All right, uh, number two. Well, the Highlanders and the All Blacks are better served with Falau Vakatawa starting over Aaron Smith. right. Run. I'm the exact same, bro. I yeah, think that, that for the Highlanders, like like we mentioned earlier, the fact that you can bring on someone like Aaron Smith with 30, 35 to go and have all that experience and that leadership come on, I mean, that's only a good thing. And I mean, like, Flauva like has already proven his worth. But then, you know, I mentioned the all Blacks because, obviously, Aaron Smith's resigned to the 2023 World Cup. And, you know, over the last couple of years, he's played a shitload of minutes, um, primarily because... Because you know, like I've mentioned beforehand, um, he you know he's typically been you know the key to to the car that is the Highlanders, and a lot of the game revolves around him. And even the All Blacks gameplay, you know, you only have to look at the drop off uh, in the All Blacks output, you know, when the likes of Petanata or Brad Weber are starting. So I think if we're wanting to look after Aaron Smith as a whole, and if he can put his ego to the side, I actually think it's actually a win win for a lot of parties. Because I mean, like even for me personally as a player, like although I love to start and you want to play 80 minutes, it's not—it's just not a reality for halfbacks these days. And so would you rather be on for the first hour um, and then close out the game, you know, in the most important part of the game, arguably? Or would you rather, yeah, like, still hold on to that nine jersey and have it be more of an ego thing?
1: Yeah, how, how old is Aaron Smith these days?
0: He's, he's, he's over 30. So, like, yeah, yeah he's, he's no mean, spring chicken. And, surely he I mean, like,
1: starts slowing down at some yeah. Well, it doesn't look
0: like it, bro. He seems—he's like, like a fine wine. He's only getting better with age. But I think that you know, you just become more susceptible to, you know, recovery not coming around as quick. You know, with the knocks that they're taking, especially playing in something like Super Rugby Aotearoa where the competition is so high and the players are so much more destructive than obviously what we've seen with the Australian and South African competitions, um, in recent memory. So, mm. yeah, I, I, you know, even as a as a Hurricanes fan, you know, I, I'd like to see. Um, him not play as many minutes um, against my team, but again, I mean, fuck it, and Like, what a player he is. Uh, but we'll go into question number okay. three. Uh, the Blues are talented, but their game plan has been snuffed out.
1: Yeah, I'll, I'll run with that. Yep. Um, I don't, you know, although the Blues did get the win on the weekend, I just didn't feel like they. Managed to get like really good, positive, go forward ball on a consistent basis. Mm. Whether that was because the Hurricanes did shut them down at times and didn't let their X Factor players into the game, yeah, I feel like they just didn't bring much to the game, other, yeah, through, through, throughout the game, and they didn't develop or change. No, not uh, at all, bro. I mean, like, you
0: you only had to look at their two tries, which was pretty much out of nothing. You know, we, we mentioned the black one missed tackle, and then I think it was Isaiah Walker where he just got skinned by Iwani, who, again, was a bit yeah. a bit MIA. I mean, like, he didn't really have any influence on the game. You know, whether, you know, whether you put that down to the Hurricanes' defence being that good um, or whether, you know, they've actually done their homework and been like, OK, this is the way the Blues are going to play. Um, we'll stop them from doing that and make them adapt on the go. Um, and unfortunately for the Blues, the last three weeks, you know, albeit they got their win um, this this previous go-round, or the latest go-round. Yeah, it just hasn't been, you know, what we'd expected considering how dominant they'd been in the first two weeks. Um, yeah, so on to point number four. Artie severe has been thrown the hospital pass with his captaincy. Pass. I reckon he's,
1: he's all good at captain. And i think for the hurricanes it's it's the right right decision as well i mean you've got coles who's come back from injury and now he's in a position of starting but i almost prefer coles at that sort of you know not quite co-captain but he he obviously is influencing decisions out there but just adds to his game but yeah it's like if you didn't put arty as captain who else would you who else could you put as captain? You know, yeah, I see, and he's I get that. Obviously, a Hurricanes man through and through.
0: I guess my my, my, my question yeah. is um is more so around I think I think it just takes away from his game, you know, because for me, like he he's very much like a disruptor, um, and he's very energetic. Uh, but what comes with that is that you have to be you know a, a little bit more clinical or a bit more surgical with a lot of your decision making, um, as captain because you're the one having to front it with the ref. So I mean the fact that he got put in the bin, um, you know, you know, all be it be the wrong call or the right call, it's just not a good look for the team as a whole. You know, like if your captain is the one that's causing all these discrepancies. Yes, I understand he's a loose forward and whatever else. So that's part of it. But I also think like you're just adding more pressure to his game. I mean he's already he already has you know the expectation in the world to pretty much you know lead that undersized forward pack. But then you throw on top of that him having to do all this other stuff, both on the field and all the other stuff that captains had to do off the field. I just felt like, you know, considering the shape this Hurricanes outfit is in, you know, with no Pedernada, you know, the loss of Barrett last year, you know, them really sort of searching for a new identity. It's almost like, OK, hey, Artie, here's the captaincy. You be Superman times two now. um, And for me, I just, yeah, I, I'm, it's not to say that I feel like he hasn't played well, because he has, and he has been a standout and always will be because that's the type of player that he is but I just felt like well just even just looking at these games it's almost like I feel he's been asked to do too much and at times it looks like he's trying to do too much because he is now the captain that I think that it almost takes away from the way he approaches the game but this is how I see it and hopefully um I guess leading into my last question bro um we'll see Um, more of him um, in the All Black 7s jersey. Now, Sam Kane was announced last week that he will be out of action for the next four to six months after doing his pick against the Blues. Uh, So, is the current All Black skippers position in the All Blacks under threat if the All Blacks perform in his absence? So, if you've got Ardy starting at seven, which is what you'd assume would happen, you've got Akita starting at six and Tutu at number eight, and the All Blacks go undefeated for the rest of the year. Where does that put Sam Kane?
1: Oh, that's such a such a difficult, you know, position to be in for him. He's got like guy's just chopping at his jersey like all around him. And you know, there's obviously Sam Kane getting the captaincy in the first part. There's plenty of people who are questioning it at the first instance, but now that this has happened, I think even more people are going to be questioning it. And especially those younger players coming through who are coming through with these opportunities. You're seeing these players just play even harder in their games. And I, yeah, I I would hate to be Sam Kane right now. Um, yeah, he's, he's going to have a hard time from both the All Black supporters and, um, yeah, those around him.
0: Yeah, it is going to be interesting because, you know, like me being part of that flock who questioned the decision to make him the skipper in the first place and then his performances for the chiefs and his track record as a captain you know especially when the all blacks and the chiefs are put under pressure now he's going to have to sit back and watch his team go to work and if his team do better than what they were which is what you'd hope for like anyway you know given all the learnings they would have taken out of 2020 and i feel like this all blacks coaching group um, albeit, you know, they're not my um, pick of the bunch. They should be a little bit more solidified with, you know, how they're organising things. You know, they've had the they've had the year of experience where COVID has thrown in a lot of curveballs and they've got some tests to lead into the rugby championship and whatever else, and perhaps the Northern Tour at the end of the year. So, I mean, like, I think it's a given that the, the All Blacks should be performing better, but I guess the question that comes with that is that, well, if that team performs well, and more specifically that loose forward trio excels, is there a need for Sam Kane anymore? That's just a a question that I had on my mind, bro. But we'll stop it there. Otherwise, we'll just waffle on for far too long, my man. But, yeah, again, I just want to say a big thank you to you for taking some time out to join me on the podcast, bro. I'll have to get you on later in the year when we do get some more Blacks action. But, yeah, for now, until I see you next in person, stay safe and, yeah, I really appreciate you.
1: Cheers, Kingy. I always enjoy coming on the podcast. I uh, love listening and love what you're doing, so... Keep the good work up.
0: Myself, my brother. Keseda.
1: Kakite.